Hello, and thank you for choosing to listen to episode 8 of Soccer Chat. Before we begin, I would like to address episode 7, which we have taken down. During this episode, I make two references to a noose around the neck of a pink flamingo, which is the mascot, the plastic pink flamingo, is the mascot of Madison, Wisconsin's soccer team that was in town to play the Red Wolves this past weekend. It was an attempt to make humor or to make a joke about us killing the Madison team in soccer. In no way, shape, or form was this meant to be racist or to be a form of racism. However, it was brought to our attention that some people were viewing it this way. I did such a poor job of recognizing that this was a possibility that I attempted to make a joke of it, making a quasi-apology to pink people everywhere. This only made matters worse. The reason it made matters worse is I was wrong in my actions. Upon researching this past week the use of the noose as a racist tool, I discovered it's used quite frequently, hung from people's trees, on people's front porches, their doors, in lockers of African-American students on their sports teams in order to intimidate them. The fact that I used this was wrong. If you were one of the many people that pointed this out, thank you for that. If you're one of those that did not recognize that this was an issue, may I suggest that you do some research. Look at the history here in Chattanooga of lynching. It's ugly and it's quite disturbing. Specifically, go to edjohnsonproject.com, which was mentioned by the Chattahooligans, to learn about the specific incident in 1906 that happened with Ed Johnson being lynched from the Walnut Street Bridge. But more than that, research how racism, homophobia, and other things are starting to infiltrate not only our society, but sports in general. This is unacceptable, and I, for one, don't want to be part of it. And I apologize that I was in this instance. It was obviously not my intent, but my intent doesn't matter. What matters is what happened, and for that I am sorry. Please be aware, I will never support racism, hatred of any type, at a game or in society as a whole. If I see it happening, I will do everything I can to stop it, and I hope you do the same. I ask for your forgiveness and hope that you're willing to give us a chance. Over the next few weeks, months, and hopefully years of this podcast, you'll recognize this is what we believe. Thank you for your time. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right. So this episode is going to be short and sweet. We actually do not have a guest for this episode. So we're going to jump right into a recap of this weekend's game versus Madison, the home opener for the Red Wolves. Huge crowd on hand, over 3,500 for the game. Uh, all three stands looked full. It was really uh, good to see. What would you think of the game? I thought it was a really great atmosphere, too. You could tell the fans were excited to be there. Yeah. Even even outside of the supporter section, I saw over on the home field side, somebody started the wave, which is always funny when you're in a stadium. Um as well as them starting their own chants of things, not necessarily along with what the supporter group was doing, but their own. I mean, there was yeah, just lots like a, of... A red wolves. Right. Red wolves, like on the two different sides of that larger stand that's not seen on the camera. Right. So there was, lo- I mean, there was just lots of good atmosphere, um, excitement for the game being played. And so that was a lot of fun to, to be a part of. One thing that April pointed out was that the people that were walking by, there was a lot of people that had bought gear, too which says to me, this isn't a, hey, I'm going to show up for this one game and then be done with it. You don't buy a bunch of gear if you're not planning on wearing it. And most people don't wear a bunch of sporting gear just 
hanging around town. They're, they're planning on bringing that stuff to games. I'm notoriously cheap, and I don't really buy stuff, even for things I support. Yeah, I told a buddy of mine that showed up I, that he had he bought one of the replica jerseys, which I guess was about sixty bucks. And I said to him, "I was like, you've already spent more than, <laughs> than I have on on merchandise," which I thought you know was sad but true. So the overall game of uh, play of game of the game was way different than I expected. So preseason up to now, everything that we've heard about how the Red Wolves were going to play was an aggressive, attacking, high scoring affair. That's what everyone expected. Instead, we got more of a depend on your defense counterattack style. What what do you think the reasoning behind that was? I think it was really important to the team that they win this game at home. A lot of disappointment after the first weekend in Texas, and I think they wanted to come back and make sure that they could get that three points, stay relevant in the table, and you know put on that show for the home fans. Yeah, and it worked, obviously. I mean, they got a one one nothing win. The other part, I think, that happened in that first game versus North Texas was the back line – and two of those three goals were just mistakes that turned into goals. And so we had a couple of those scares throughout the game where there was still some misplays. Fortunately, they weren't as egregious as the North Texas game. But if you're going to run that style, he's showing that his willingness to try that and do that says those mistakes were not the norm. This is not what I'm seeing in practice. And that gives me confidence. Like I've watched in, in – you know, one of the errors was by Andrew Mullen. I've watched Andrew Mullen play a number of the preseason games up to now. That really isn't his style. I mean, he's he's good with the ball. He likes to he does a good job of, of seeing the openings, getting it to the right place. So for him to have made the error that he made that led to the first goal in the North Texas game, I think is definitely the outlier for him and not the norm. And so to see the coach say the same thing with his strategy, I think is a good sign. Right. And now that we've got the win, we can move on to keep trying to develop that. I still think sometimes the biggest thing that I see is a lot of them holding onto the ball too long. If they can start getting quicker passes, quicker one-twos, moving down the field, I think you'll really see the game start to open up for them. And I think that's kind of the last roadblock that they're hitting. Yeah, and I think to, to kind of go on that, if you look at the goal, that's what we had there, right? So you had a quick shot from Mare, goes to BD, BD takes two touches, and on the first touch, Zaid's putting it in the top left corner from 20 yards out, which if that's not nominated for goal of the week, then I, I don't know what you're going to nominate because that was that's exactly what you expect from a top-tier like professional lineup of players that know each other, know how to work together, and, you know, really separate themselves. He didn't need to take the extra touch to set himself up. He let it bounce, got it in position where he wanted it off the bounce and put it right in that corner. It was a, it was, it was really nice. And we're on the other end. So I'm sitting in the supporter section, right? I'm all the way on the other end. So I don't get a great angle. So I come home. One of the first things I do, which I think slightly angered my wife, because it really was one of the first things I did. I didn't wait till the kids were in bed <laughs> is I pulled up fast forwarded to that point and was like, I just wanted to, I was like, just give me a second. I just want to see where the goal was. And I watch it and I'm like, Holy crap, that was even better than I thought it was. And I said to you when we were there, I'm pretty sure that's going to end up being one of the top goals of the week. Did you help her get the kids out of the car? No. Or did you just immediately run in the house and turn <laughs> on the TV? No, no. So that, fortunately, our kids were still hyped up from the fireworks and everything afterwards. I didn't have like the, the kid that's passed out or anything like that in the oh, car. But So did you get a chance to watch you know, our upcoming game? We're going to be playing... Um, their game this week had some pretty eventful things happen in it. Did you get a chance to watch that game? 
I did. I woke up this morning and watched the replay of Greenville Lansing, and there was about a 20-minute period in the second half where it just went off the rails, and there were yellow cards and second yellow cards, and all of a sudden it was 9v10. Which I'm sure opened it up a little bit. I, you know, at that particular point in the game, I think everyone was so tired that it couldn't really open it up a whole lot. It did allow, um, in that 9v10 situation, is when Greenville got their second um, to tie, to break the tie. So Lansing scored the first goal in the game. Greenville came back and scored a really good one at even strength to tie it up. Um, then the uh, then the the cards came out. It was 9 on 11 for about 15 minutes, and then there was a player for Greenville got a second yellow, which turned into a red card, and put it 9v10, and... They ended up scoring another one off of a corner kick. A really, really well-whipped corner kick towards the front post that glanced off ahead and, and went in the goal. So it was a it was a good win. And, you know, like I said, a, a really probably a wild time for everyone in the stands. They had a pretty good crowd at their their match as well. And, and you know, that's the thing that I, I like seeing. So, so far you've seen from the non-B team some pretty darn good crowds, which bodes well for the league as a whole. The key is to build off that, right? So you don't right. want to see significant drop off. You know, first game can sometimes be a an indicator of of the future, but it can also be just it's the first game and people are interested in seeing what the first game's like. The fact that they both had at least for um, Greenville and Chattanooga, they both had exciting games in that first game, I think helps. Right. Um, so watching that, what do you think of Greenville's style? Like, is how's that going to play against the Red Wolf style? I feel like they have as well a lot of a counter-attacking type style they're going to sink in they invite people forward they play long balls watching them against tormenta that's what they tried to do i feel like they were a little more settled at home this particular match but i think it's the same kind of they're going to absorb the pressure and then they're going to try to hit you on the counter with some speed yeah so we're two weeks in We've gotten a chance to kind of I've wa- at least personally I've watched quite a few of the replays on ESPN Plus, which by the way, I've been more than pleased with that setup. Like I, I've done the YouTube feeds, you know. I've as I've mentioned before, I've was I watched a lot of the CFC games when I wasn't able to be there via, via the feeds. The quality on the CFC one's pretty good, but it was the competitors' quality that was never quite where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm getting consistent quality is really nice. Um, but I've gotten a chance to kind of get a little bit of an idea of better of what the league's going to be like. So two weeks in, how much of a change are you seeing to who you think are going to be the top teams who are going to be the the ones that struggle? I've been impressed with Lansing, having their win against Richmond. We'll see how they do. They've both times late in the game, they've had troubles. Uh, they you know surrendered two goals against Richmond. That first one, they had jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. Here again against Greenville, they weren't able to hold the lead. Part of that was was these bad tackles, but that goes to discipline of your players. That you know there was one he picked up a yellow, and it wasn't five minutes later that he made a really bad tackle outside the box that led to his second yellow. So that's something that they're going to have to look at. But I think they're going to be a very impressive team uh, to go up against. So for me, I think the team that I discounted way more than I should have is Tormenta. So I've watched them. Both of their games and both of their games, they look good. And I discounted them partly because they brought up a lot of their players from their PDL side, their League Two side. And I looked at the makeup of these teams, especially Chattanooga, but 
But even some of the other teams, the teams that are getting players from MLS, like you look at you know the game we played versus Madison, they had four guys that were loaned to them. All four of them started, including the goalkeeper. Right. A game versus North Texas, it was the backup goalkeeper um, for Dallas that started for them. Like we've we've had to play two MLS goalkeepers back to back, so it's not like we're playing people that aren't quality goalkeepers or aren't quality players. And so I thought a team like Tormenta, who's only bringing people up from a fourth tier versus people that are getting people down from the first tier, I thought they would be in trouble. And I've, I've been proven way wrong so far. Now, it's a long season. It, it may end up being that people adjust to them and they don't adjust as well. It may be that they end up being one of the top two or three teams. Um, right now, they look like one of the top two or three teams, and I've made a mistake in discounting them. I think be interesting to see a lot of those guys in the PDL a much shorter season be interesting to see what that second half of their season looks like you know you hear people talk about players coming to the NBA from college and they get to Christmas break where they've played essentially what their college season would be and they're only halfway through what's going to happen yeah I think that's that's a very good point is what's what is the stamina going to be like uh back to the Red Bulls kind of focus or 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 look here um, they made another announcement of a player signing. They have a, a new backup goalkeeper that will be backing up Alex Mangolds, which is kind of good to know that he exists because I would have been interested to see what would have happened if he had gotten hurt in the first game since apparently we didn't have a goalkeeper that had been announced at that point. I think we did have one with us. Um, I mean, we had to have, right? You don't bring a, a non-second goalkeeper. I don't remember. I didn't look at the roster, but it, that's filling out the roster. The roster is pretty much full at this point. But once again... You're talking about USL League One. It doesn't mean that more won't come because that end of that date's coming up in, what, September? Is that right? Right. It's like with six weeks left in the season or whatever it is. So there's a long season ahead, but you're still seeing signings. But the players that we're signing are still high-quality USL Championship experience players, which, once again, that's why I discounted Tormenta is, is I look at the player signing differences, and I was like, I just don't see it. Like, at least with North Texas, they're young, they're young guys – are guys that are getting caps for the the United States under 16 or under 18 or under 23 Right, teams. they're coming through a professional academy. Exactly. Well, Tormenta was just kind of this standalone South Georgia really success story that kind of never made a ton of sense. Why, like, like, where is this coming from? Because it wasn't like they were feeding anything specifically, which is really impressive. Um, and, and I think that speaks to what they've done there. This is similar to you know a lot of times within USL – uh, one of the knocks is that they're just plastic organization that just throws money and creates. Well, I think uh, North Texas is proving that that's not accurate because they're coming from that really strong developmental team. You've got Tormenta, which is proving that not not correct. Richmond, who's been one of the longest around. So I think, yeah, there's some teams that are throw some money at it. I think we can put the Red Wolves in that group. They're throwing money at it to make a quality team. I think you put, uh, I think you put Madison and Lansing in that throwing money to make quality team, but you've got the other side too. And I think that's getting discounted more than it should. Um, so yeah, I, I, two weeks in, I think it's better than I expected. I think the quality of play is right where I expected it to be. I think there's, uh, like I was talking with my friend that had come to the game and he didn't know really anything other than, Hey, there's a game and he didn't want to go to the CFC game for whatever reason. I don't remember what he said it was, but um, he came to that game was watching with me and he was asking me, he's like, so what level is this? He goes, is this, you know, I said, well, compared to CFC in the past, it's technically a level above what they claim that they were as a division four. Right. So you should be a little bit higher quality. And he even made the comment. He goes, 
I don't know that I'm fully seeing it. And then he sees Zaid's goal and he's like, okay, maybe I'm seeing it. And then also he sees some of the, the positioning saves because he knows enough about, he's a hockey guy, but he knows enough about soccer to say, okay, I can see positioning, some of Alex's saves and positioning, some of the headers to keep the ball away from goal, right. things like that, that you don't necessarily see at that lower level. Those are the type of things, the smaller details that a non-soccer fan may not pick up on or someone who didn't play the sport. I'm watching going, there's the difference. Like knowing how to correctly get the ball out of his zone so it's not landing at someone's feet. Knowing those things that separate you slightly. So I've personally been very happy with what I've seen. The downside, the part that I haven't been happy about is exactly what I expected to happen. The fan base at those B teams doesn't exist. It's like it, it, both of the games that I watched, which was our game at North Texas and the Orlando City B game, it was ghost towns. And that's not fun. And if you're talking about... 30% of your away games, more than that, yeah, 33% of your away games, right, are going to be at those B-team games, that's going to be kind of disappointing. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, but I think that's something that they need to make a decision as USL on the, on the level. Like, do we want to continue to be a league where half of our, our audience doesn't really exist because nobody cares about these teams? And I think as you grow to 40, do we become – and when I say we, I'm talking about USL League One. Does it become the all reserves and a few independent teams, or does it get a good mix between the two? Like, where's it going to be when we're we've got 80 total teams, 40 in Championship and 40 in USL League One? Does USL League One become all these reserves teams and Chattanooga still in that? I don't think I'd enjoy that because yeah. I didn't enjoy those games, um, at least watching them as a fan. Like, there's a difference in just hearing the fan, hearing the crowd, seeing the crowd difference. There's a difference in that. Uh, it's the same sort of thing with when you watch the CFC games on TV, you don't really get that experience because you're just watching a blank canvas on the other side. You know there's like three or 4,000 fans there. You can't see them except for when they pan down to try to get into that corner. Um, there's just a difference in that. That's why I like the setup at CCS because you do have a surrounding stand, stands. It was funny to me how North Texas set up their stadium camera-wise in that the camera was on the complete empty side. Some of it, I'm sure, geographically, like Tormenta right now, they're playing in a track stadium because they've just broken ground on their soccer-specific facility. Right. The uh, The way that Greenville was set up, there was a nice full stand of people that was on camera. I think Richmond did a great job in making sure, because there was a couple of times where the camera panned in the game against Richmond that you could see the side where the camera was, was not very full. They had everyone sitting, but they had everyone sitting on that far side so that the camera showed all of those people that were there. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty large stadium that Richmond plays in. It's, you know, they had a good, they had a really good crowd for that match. And I think that was a good idea to have the camera set up that way. And there may just be some decisions. I'm not a television broadcaster. So there's some decisions they probably have to make setting up cameras for how that works. So kind of finishes up. This is meant to be a shorter podcast than normal. Like I said, we don't have a guest. Um, as well as, you know, all the other stuff that we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, what are you looking for this upcoming weekend, second away match? What, what are you expecting? I hope to see some improvement in linking from the defense through the midfield to our attackers. I'd like to see some more chances. Yeah, now, that's, that being said, I still think Stephen Beattie was probably player of the match. And he's a midfielder. I, he was everywhere. Um, but 
in being everywhere, sometimes there wasn't somebody that linked well from the defense right. to that because he kept coming back to help on defense. Um, when they were coming in the first half, they were coming towards the supporter stands where we were at. And I felt like a lot of times there was just a big gap from getting it to the forwards. Right. And so I, I completely agree with you. But I think that's another one of those, as you get to know each other better, you'll know who, when are you overlapping, when do you fill. Those type of things will, will fill in a whole lot better. Um, there was a few times that we got lucky that they didn't call us out. Like we were both where I, I remember seeing Dixon pull up on an overlap and nobody filled in behind him. Like I didn't see Connor Doyle pull back and slide behind him. He also pulled up. Unfortunately, they went up the other side, and Richard Dixon's crazy fast and was able to to fill in back there. But that shouldn't be happening. And eventually, there's going to be a coach that watches that film and says, "Hey, here's our spot. Here's how we take advantage of that." And if we're playing Greenville, who plays that counterattack style, they could be the ones to take advantage of that. So I think that's 100 percent correct. So good news is our coaches are watching that film as well, and I'm sure they're pointing out, "Hey, you know, we want to make sure that we we've got people covering because look at what happened here that could have hurt us." So well, I do enjoy like the the armchair quarterback who's trying to tell this 40 year veteran coach, "Hey, here's a bad area, right?" Like that's not what I mean. <laughs> like I do not for one second think that I have any skill set that he can take or garner any gain gain any information from. I'm sure he sees it too. I don't know. I'm on a pretty impressive winning streak on FIFA. I've moved it all the way to amateur. <laughs> all right. So last thing, uh, I do want to mention to you guys in case you're, you're not aware. Um, we had this weekend, there was with the alpha group, there was a pregame uh, thing that was held next to what's called the beer garden that, that, the Red Wolves are going to have all year long, which is an opportunity for you to do some pre-gaming, enjoy some uh, Red Wolves uh, Irish ale and things to that effect while also enjoying some time with, with them. How'd that go? I know you got a chance to go. I personally didn't. I was just getting back from vacation. Very good atmosphere. Everyone was in good spirits. The Red Wolves ale was cold and delicious. And uh, it's a very easy walk. Join in with the Alphas as we march in, waving our flags. From, uh, from that beer garden tailgate area to the stadium itself for the match. And that's going to be the setup, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that's going to be the setup hopefully year-round, right? Correct. All, all season long. Um, and then, assuming everything goes correctly and they do open a soccer-specific stadium in 2020, still waiting on that announcement um, on where it's going to be, assuming that happens, this is a one-year thing. And obviously, they realize it's not the ideal setup. I don't think there's anybody out there who's like, hey, this is what we should build our soccer specific stadium with where we have, or you can drink, you know, cardened off a good, you know, 400 feet from the stadium. No one thinks that way. Um, but they are accommodating. Like there's not like they're saying, Hey, you know, there's no alcohol at Chattanooga Christian school. Uh, you know, they're not saying, well, you know, since there's no alcohol, we're not going to do anything. They're going over and beyond and saying, what can we do to accommodate those that would like to have some pregame? They would like to be able to have a couple beers beforehand, come in, Enjoy the match. Maybe at halftime, if you're just one of those guys, who's please enjoy responsibly, beer. everyone. Yeah, if you're if you're one of those guys that wants to have a beer at halftime, that's available to you still at halftime. Um, that seems to me like a long way to go and come back, but that's just me. But I'm also, as I've said before, not a huge beer guy, so I'm also just not in shape enough to get there and back. And now, they are offering golf cart rides for the. That is true for the people that need it back and forth. If you're you know, if if you've decided to bring a, a DD and you've had four or five and you want a golf cart ride back, uh, they will give you that golf cart ride back. P- 
please don't have four or five and come back in the stands though and be that guy. Everybody knows who I'm talking about, who we just have to have be quiet. Uh, last last thing about the game. What did you think of the chance and everything? How did you think that went? I was really impressed. Yeah. I think also it was very it was really exciting to see people who I had not seen at Alpha Functions, you know, commenting on Facebook things that the Alphas put out that showed up, that saw them with their drum and were like, that looks awesome and just came and joined the group. Yeah, and they had the cowbells and I I'll be honest with you. Um I was how do I word this without saying, I'm just going to say it. I was skeptical at best. And the reason I was skeptical at best is it is not a small undertaking to start up a supporters group with no foundation. First real game. Nobody, you don't have like this basis of people that have seen like excitement and joy and say, hey, I want to join with that. You're having to build completely from scratch. And they worked really hard. Um, I joke, joke with Brandon Oglesby, who is uh, the one of the main people that have been working on the chants and things that affect that is director of Epic poetry. I believe is his title. Yeah. That, that I, I joked with him. I was like, I was like, every one of your chants is the ultimate dad joke. And I love it, but you know, and they are like, a lot of them are just like taking a tune and having the ability to take that tune and point it towards the Red Wolves. So the skill set I don't have, like my favorite chants are ones that, and the ones I got most involved with the ones that are like, that said stuff like Red Wolves. And then the other side said SC. Like I was like, Ooh, I can remember those words. Like, like those are the ones I got most involved with. But they had some extensive ones. They had sheets ready. They had all that that you have to have. And I was impressed. I, I want to give them a, a shout out for the quality that they did and the hard work they put in. Also want to mention uh, Danielle and Debbie Hicks, who did a lot of work on flags and on typhos and all that stuff. Like, this is not like the, the- uh, fat heads were amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, like, like that was my son's like holding it up and I'm taking a picture of him because he thought it was hilarious. Like all that stuff. Kudos to you guys. Thanks for all the hard work. Um, looking forward to seeing even more of their great ideas going forward. So, One shout out that I want to make is uh, pay attention this Wednesday, April 10th. We will have the draw for the first round U.S. Open Cup match. So the match is going to be played early May, but we will get a chance to see who the opponent's going to be. Oh, and to piggyback on that, if you didn't catch the announcement, once again, ESPN Plus picking up a huge thing, in my opinion, the U.S. Open Cup the from round one forward, which means not the qualifying rounds that are going on now and have gone on prior to this, but from round one forward will be covered on ESPN Plus. If you're not aware, U.S. Open Cup used to be just a hodgepodge of YouTube and Periscope and other stuff. That's gone. It's on ESPN Plus, which is super exciting because... You can already get all your League One games, all your USL Championship games, a ton of MLS, Serie A. It is a soccer fan's haven for five bucks a month, and now you're going to get the US Open Cup. If you don't know what the US Open Cup is and you're a European fan, basically think FA Cup in, your, in the US. That's the easiest way to explain it. All right, guys, that's it for us for us this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, hope to catch you on the other side, and uh, hopefully when we talk to you next time, we'll be talking about a two-game winning streak and our first road win for the Red Bulls.